What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to yet another evening of sweat and grime. You've got Brian, you got Rick in studio, but unfortunately, Matt Mr. Is down and out tonight. Yes, Mr. Motherfucking Totten is not with us. He is down with some sickness. Uh, but in the studio with us tonight, you may recall from, I don't know, it's been a month, month? and a half or so, somewhere in Time there. Flies, yeah. Yeah, we've got Jerry in here from Water's Edge Dock and Hoist. But tonight joining us, we also have his brother, Garrick. How are you? It's kind of like the Bash Brothers. They're here. Practically. The Docking Brothers. The Docking Brothers. This is the other part of the, the story from the first podcast, right? Well, the docking yeah, brothers. I wasn't going to go up. there, but yeah, isn't isn't docking the the two? Yeah, I know it's, it's yeah. kind of like two penises bumping each other. Exactly, exactly, oh, exactly what so it is. Before so, we hang on, before we totally fire off, we do have some really good news tonight. So we that? have officially gotten our first sponsor here on Sweat and Grime. We right have Phaser Marketing, Luke Agabrotten, which you may recall from the Dirtbags episode yeah, yeah. we did from a while back. He is now officially sponsoring the podcast. They are a marketing Luke, company for the dirt man. world. Right. So if you are in the dirt world, in the trades, and you are looking for someone for marketing, website development, anything like that, be sure to reach out to Luke Agabrotten at Phaser Marketing. And thank you so much, Luke, for the sponsorship. We are looking for additional sponsors. So if you have any interest on uh, being on the show and having your stuff touted on the show, reach out to us. And we also have a Patreon account. So head over to what? Patreon, check out Sweat and Grime. And that's how you as a listener can contribute. And you can do anywhere from, you know, a couple bucks to maybe it's maybe maybe you're feeling good. Maybe it's 50. Maybe it's 100. Maybe you're maybe you're going to kind of help Rick make it through this next month because uh-huh. Rick, yes. you know, you, you had a little Diesel rough year. Diesel Absolutely. Kicking the shit out of me so, today. Yeah. So all that being said, thank you again. But now let's hear Water's Edge Dock and Hoist, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear from Garrett. But Garrett, as you tell us the backstory about you and how you got into all this craziness, don't forget the sword fighting. <laughs> <laughs> the sword fighting? The sword, sword fighting. fighting. And you're gonna have to put that microphone. Mic, you're Sorry. not used to being like in the a, studio guys. Like a cheap prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Just right there. Keeps rocking yeah. me back. You're gonna have to bum bump the <laughs> shit out of that <laughs> thing and talk right into it. But tell us how you got into it. In your story. Got into docking. Um, <laughs> very much like Jerry's story. Boom I was docking. Uh, yeah, right there with him the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, landscaping, lawn mowing, all that stuff to trying to find that filler for um, to keep everybody busy and retain. And how, how old were you when you started getting into this? Uh, the dock stuff, I was 17. So coming right out of high school, you yeah. so falls you, deep in this. Just you're this the where young, I'm going. You're the younger brother. Yeah, I'm the youngest of the three of us. Oh, there's three. three. Yeah, we have a middle one. And now uh-huh. is he involved as well? Uh, no, not anymore. He he was. I mean, worked with us here and there, but and then you told like, him to get fucked. No like brothers do. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. He was, just was he, the middle brother the he, one that went skiing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably the smart one. He was the smart one. <laughs> so but, uh, was this something that you were interested in, or was it like Jerry just drug you to fuck along? It's like, come on, little kid. No, we we drag each other the fuck along with everything that we do. You know, whether he has the idea or I have the idea. Uh, until of, you sunk the barge. I didn't sink it. <laughs> I flipped it. And then I unflipped it too. So there you go. See, that's that's not the exact story that, that Jerry presented. And I, I think that's convenient because you weren't here to really back yourself up. Yeah, I mean Jerry took credit for the whole he, fucking yeah, exactly. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. He took credit for fixing the problem. Yeah. 
that you fucked but, up. But no. you're saying that you were actually the fixer. Well, we both did it. Oh, okay. But, we're yeah. slowly I getting mean, to the bottom <laughs> of this story. <laughs> yeah. And, and to kind of set the stage of the dynamic between Garrick and I, uh, all along the way, he's been way more, um, had way more aptitude for being hands-on. That's the beauty of our partnership. And when you talk about the barge, I know we're joking about it, but in all seriousness, he was the man that was able to go, this is how we should take care of this terrible situation one step at a time. Yeah. I've learned a lot from him. He's learned a lot from me. And we really found our roles. When you talk about an actual partnership working, which is kind of rare, uh, I think we have something very special going on. It's not on. all one-sided. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was because we didn't, never really did the same thing, the same role. So it was easy to kind of separate the... I mean, we kind of complement each other. Yeah, yeah, any emotion or anything like that. Like yeah. it was never you're doing something fucking wrong or I'm doing something wrong. It was why the fuck did you do that? Like, now, come on, man. <laughs> now getting now getting into this, let's go back to your childhood for a minute because you had a different upbringing. How did you not only just fall fall into this with your brother? Was high school for you? Were you planning on going to college? No. What was your thoughts growing up? Like, how did you even come out of high school knowing what you maybe wanted to do? Uh, I mean, a family of entrepreneurs. I mean, my dad, there's there's one thing that, well, there's a lot of things he truly loves, but he, he values hard work and he just, he loves working. And that was kind of our relationship with all of us brothers was, you know, we he owned the tent rental for until 2001, right before he got his accident. But, um... Working with dad was never like, eh. you know, he never, never treated work as something that was a chore or was difficult Yeah. or man, I got to get out of bed at eight o'clock and go to work. You know, he was the 545, get out of bed and I want to go to work. Okay. You know, so it was just, um, and I see this with a lot of people that, that work with us. Work is for what they've seen during their upbringing was, oh, I don't want to go to work. Yeah. I don't want to do this. And I've always loved going to work. Yeah. yeah. You know, up until COVID started, that was the first time I ever said that I hate my fucking job. But <laughs> it was, you know, it was always fun to go to work and you see, you know, an end, something finished at the end of the day or yeah. after a couple of weeks of hard work, it's like, sweet, we did it, you know? And it so, so touch on that as, as part of your childhood, uh, because so many people look <clears throat> back and, and they either don't make their kids work or... Or they don't want to make them work too hard. Yeah, but you're, you're saying child labor, yeah, right? Exactly. Or heaven forbid, your kids break out into a sweat yeah. and they aren't able to run back to the pantry and <clears throat> grab another hot pocket. Uh, how, how did that influence your childhood? It really, yeah, like, we, just the work ethic there. We grew up on a farm. There was never, never any shortage of work. So it was. I mean, we always worked as a family. You and didn't dare did say everything. you were bored. Nope. That was the worst. Yeah, yeah, you'd find something for yeah. you to do. So <laughs> my favorite I mean, thing is when my kids say they're bored. I'm like, well grab a shovel and yeah. go out there to the dirt yeah. pile and I'll make some work for you. <laughs> We've stacked hundreds of thousands of bales of hay. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands. And to some people that is, Oh, I would never do that. Or, you know, they did it once and it was like, you know, that sucks. But I look at it like I just filled up the 60 foot tall barn full of fucking hay. Yeah. You yeah. know? And like, that's what I, that's, it was always an accomplishment. I like yeah. accomplishing yeah. things, you know, not that I need immediate results, but to see that after you the like end the of gratification to, yeah, of it the all. gratification yeah. of it. You know, it's, it's cool and it's fun. Now, as you got out of high school and you started this transition with your brother on these adventures, 
we talk to people on both sides of the fence from business owners to the guys that are out in the field, whatever. Coming out of high school, you were already in the entrepreneur with your brother chasing this wild dream that you don't even know what you're getting your hands on. Mm-hmm. What was that like coming out of high school and then alongside with your brother? Um, well, first off, all my friends went to college or most of them did. And, um, I'll just throw it just, in. Fuck college. Yeah. Fuck college. I agree <laughs> too. But it was, I, I don't know. I never really saw another path. So it wasn't anything that was uncomfortable or awkward. Like, you know, what am I going to do for money? Did you ever second like guess college when everyone no. went away? Mm-mm. Why is that? I, I despise school. It was a 12 year prison sentence for me. Like I, I didn't, the structure of it and you have to sit in the same spot for an hour and then you get five minutes to get to go to the other spot where you sit for an hour. You know, teachers telling you, you can't take a, go and take a piss during the middle of a class. I just, I didn't like the structure and the people telling me. Or have a dip in school. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> prison, basically. It was, yeah, I was, I've always said this. It was like a 12 year prison sentence and there was teachers that sucked and there's teachers that were great. You know, I never really acted out or tried to piss anyone off, but also, like I said, when a teacher told me I couldn't go take a piss during the middle of class. That rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And Remember like, the passes we used to have to hold up in the air mm-hmm. and like the key with the long fucking paddle yeah, so you could exactly. get to the door? Yep. Yeah. You know? Now, as you guys started taking these steps, when did you start kind of finding your groove with your brother in this transition? And you're like, yes, this is what I want to do. Well, did you guys, let me, because it ties into that question. Did you guys start the business together or did Jerry have it going and you came into it or kind of how did the business come together with the two of you? So it all actually, I mean, with the lawn mowing thing, I was 12 and you were 16. So, but Water's Edge in particular, he was, or I was 17 and you were whatever it was. For Water's Edge, yeah. 22. I think it was the the lawn mowing thing we, we started together. We've been at this together the the whole entire way being a little bit older. I took a little bit more of the charge and the pendulum has swung the other way as time has gone on. But, um, I'll let you take it from there. So yeah. So I mean, the technically started, we were already legally, together. I couldn't really do anything. I couldn't be a business owner. Um, I guess in the eyes of the state and the federal government at 17. So because of the felonies, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've always had a really deep and good trust with each other. Whereas I knew that he wasn't going to screw me over with anything or just like, all right, well, I see this, this is an opportunity where I can make money mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with it. And you just get put to the wayside and you just keep working. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, uh, I guess it wasn't until 23 or 24 was when it was actually we reincorporated the business and got it to where I was actually officially on the okay on the paperwork. So I, I for a long time I wasn't and I never you know we never had that lack of trust with each other where And when did you start catching motivation interest into what you guys were doing and obviously there comes a point like you're just working you're trying to find your groove when did you guys start hitting the gas pedal going this is what I want to do I, I believe in what we're doing. 2013, 2014. I mean, at first it was, cause that was when we shut down the lawn mowing thing. And then like you said, hit the gas pedal on water's edge, figuratively put all of our eggs in one basket. Yeah. But it was, um, 
it was it was a less stress and b we can focus on th- this one thing that's more of a niche market and able to capitalize on that easier okay. than um you know trying to do 15 ass. different things yeah. yeah so uh just out of curiosity you said school is a 12-year print Prison, prison sentence. sentence. Yeah, I'll figure out how to talk here in just a second. Brian, uh, Brian took the 18 year fucking that's prison right. sentence. That's so. right. We, we've been smoking a lot of weed since yeah, then. He gets so. a lot of fucking flashbacks <laughs> when you talk about college. That's weed right. In prison too. That's that's, yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, my question though is you finished out high school. So your brother did not, correct? Correct. So I'm smarter than him. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like kind of. Did that influence you one way or another, or or did you just have to one up him that you were the bigger man and you could stick it out? Like no, I most my mom wanted me to graduate and she wanted me to go to college. Um, never pushed me or pressured me, but wanted me to. Sure. And then I told her like, I'm not doing it. I gotta say I think you barely graduated. I did. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was pretty close to not. We were, there, but I did. I, wa- I walked in with my cap and gown and all that stuff. Nice. Now, we were working so much during that time. I even felt bad because I'm like, I know I'm not making him do anything. We're business partners. Sure. Yeah. But at the same time, he's now deciding as a teenager, is my career more important than my education? That's a tough spot to be. It's yeah. actually a very peculiar situation mm. to be because society is telling you, your education is more important. Now, yeah. did Where you? He's going. I've got. A, I've got five hundred customers that I have an obligation to uphold, and he's probably making more than most of his teachers at that point. I'm yeah. not going to lie, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a tough spot. It's an interesting situation. Now, were you behind him on getting that diploma, or were you just like whatever you want to do? I couldn't care either way. I mean, it it wouldn't matter for what our destiny was, you know, we, we knew it was in our blood for a long time. We knew what we were going to do. Um, but we still could have, I mean, whether you made it through school or even went to college or not, it's, I think we'd still be on the same path pretty much. I will say to, to kind of back up to your statement about kind of putting him in that weird spot where he's going to pick his education or his career, when you come at it from this side of it, it sounds like a weird spot to put him in. But if you think about it, that's the exact situation the education system puts all of our kids in all the time because it's, you need to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life at 18 years old. And then you need to go do this education. That's going to cost you $60,000 to go do that thing. And Oh, Oh, at 18, you were wrong and you didn't want to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. You still owe us the 60 grand versus well, just, just to finish the thought there versus if he really didn't want to do water's edge, there's an out there. It's a little messier than had he not been a business partner, but still there is an out there and it doesn't involve $60,000 worth of debt. Right. Well, what to touch on that debt thing for me to get a personal business or not a business loan, a car loan when I was 25 was actually when I technically me personally bought my, my first truck, Mm -hmm. my business owned seven of them, but you know, now well, no, you got to get a co-signer. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you're not responsible. <laughs> my company, my business, my business <laughs> funnels a lot of money into the economy, but I can't, 
you know, that means nothing to them. But the business right. was However, successful, but you yeah. weren't, yep. right? Yes. However, a 17-year-old that just graduated could, could go get a loan for $80,000. Oh, absolutely. And, and not even like know that. what they're doing with it. Nope. Well, and, and better yet, it doesn't even require you sitting down with a loan officer. You mm-hmm. literally get online and fill out the paperwork, yeah. and then free money flutters down from the air. Mm-hmm. I did it over and over yeah. every year. I would go what sign the paperwork. What were you buying paperwork. with it, too, besides college? Uh, now, I was not one of those guys, Rick, but I do have some friends that had some really nice TVs. And what did they do with and it And some all? rims and some... Stereos and shit. Yeah. But you got a guy that wants to put effort into starting a business or helping a business, and they fucking shit all over us. You know what I mean? It's, that's, that's always bugged me, and I've thought and thought and thought and thought for years yeah. it's bugged me. Bugged now, and bugged and bugged me. let's go back to what your brother said. <clears throat> when you were sitting there going through high school, how old were you? 17, 18, yeah. when you were talking about graduating. Yeah. Let's go back down memory lane. When you had to make those decisions and you were looking at this high school diploma, which you already seen the career path you were at, and then you had all these clients with a successful business that was taking off, what kind of decisions were in your head that most people don't think of? You're trying to graduate. You got this business. How did you figure this out at that age? Um, cause most people at 18, 17 years old don't even know if they're going to college or if the fucking wind blows, which way. Yeah, no, I, I, it was decided. I mean, well before that, I, I knew that I wasn't going to go to college. I didn't like school. Um, I love working with my hands. I just, I just like doing shit. I've got to be active and doing something. Um, so it was decided well before I had that diploma. The, know, the diploma didn't really mean anything to me. Yeah. The, the interesting yeah. thing I see as, as, Garrick and I go farther forward in business is the, that mentality of being indoctrinated is not the word, but he, he made his decision on what he wanted to do well before I even did. And I thought I started into business young. Yeah. Now, um, being in a group amongst his peers and their philosophies, it's the, the, the um, gap has even gotten bigger where it's um, it's hard sometimes to understand the philosophy of the herd of sheep. And that's a lot of yeah. what him and I talk about. And it's no disrespect to any particular individual, just, just that. as a whole, the philosophy, especially, like I said, he's an outlier and he has been hugely since when, when did you graduate high school? 2008. 2008. So, and that was a very particular time right there. It's interesting, um, the 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 gap, the way he thinks versus the way they think. Yeah. Now, it's, touch on the herd of sheep, though. Elaborate on that a little bit more because you draw, you just kind of just threw it out there. Now, why did why do you hey, toss we it out there? Too. Why do you why do you toss <laughs> it out there though as the herd of sheep? The the um that the mentality of everybody doing um what what they're told let's let's go to college let's i could touch on a lot of things that i don't think everybody should do yeah (laughs) use my words carefully but i i've never been a huge fan brian pull up your pants (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i've never been a huge fan of just fitting into the group and doing what everybody else does my mentality has always been uh we have one life here let's do something special let's make some type of a footprint let's leave something behind and uh I 
have a ton of respect for Garrick because of that, for, for him, he was even more so in that generation where everybody must do what they were told. Um, without getting into a, a ton of detail, as time has gone on, there's there's a lot of people in the herd of sheep, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's fun. You get to be a little bit different, and sometimes people look sideways at you, but it's uh, um, it's worked for us. Mm-hmm. So, kind of along those lines, the herd of sheep and 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 really the pipeline that's been established because you know stop beating around the bush. It is a pipeline that the higher education system has created. And I have to hand it to the higher education system. They did a great job. They, they sold America and really it's, it's a global problem. It's, they sold the world, this bill of goods that if you go to school, if you go to college, then you're automatically set up for this next level earning potential. And so, um, and I've talked about my background on the, on the show before, but to, to go into a little more detail, um, I, I've been in the same boat and I can always relate to everyone we have on the show because I was the same way in school. I hated school. My first thing, whether it was high school or college, the first thing I would do is they would hand out the syllabus day one of the course and the teachers going through all of the bullshit rules and all the things about the class and what you're going to go through. First thing I do is flip over to that last page where it gave you the breakdown of all the points that you needed to, to earn an A in the class. And I'd start doing my mental subtractions of, okay, if I don't do that, if I don't do that, if I don't do that, I have to do this well on this test, this test, and this test, and I can pass this class mm-hmm. with a C. That's all I need. And so so that's how I went through school. But the whole time I hated it because I always enjoyed being outside and working with my hands and I hated school. But I was told this was the way to go. And then what happened is you get out of school. I graduated from college around the 08 time frame. So... So I get out of college and I'm told that magic money is going to rain from the sky. And instead, what happens is I'm starting to apply for all these jobs going up against mid-level management that has 20 years of management experience. But because they just got laid off and they're trying to feed their families, they're willing to do that job for 50 grand a year. Mm -hmm. How the fuck am I supposed to pay back my student loans and live? Because if you guys recall around the 082, we had inflation going on and gas was at like four dollars a gallon. How am I supposed to live and drive my ass around to work if I'm only making, you know, really as a college graduate? Now you're back to, to regular 40 grand a year. But mm-hmm. why why didn't you or not just you to single you out, but you yeah, or the people that went to college? Why didn't you just draw a line and say, this isn't for me. This is going down the wrong way. I'm here. Because this is what I was told to do. Because Why you have you an entire system telling you you will fail if you do that. You have teachers, guidance counselors. There's subtle comments in just everyday conversation. Oh, wouldn't want to be that guy on the side of the road. You know, that sort of stuff. You've got, uh, you've got actual marketing materials geared towards getting you into higher education. You have an entire system telling you, hey, you can make that choice, buddy. Yeah, if you want to suck at life, well, I mean that's I, essentially the underlying. Right, athletics. I want to. I want to add something too, and I. I still see this, even though I do feel like the tables are turning, the scales tipping the other way a little bit. You also have parents that they base their pride and clout on where their children go to school, and that's not fair. absolutely for, for the there fucking sticker on the window, yes, right? Absolutely, the bumper sticker. Yeah. Absolutely. Why do they? Why do they? 
do these decisions out of fear. Like they let the fear hold them back on making their own decisions. When, when does somebody draw the line? Like these guys started out young. When does somebody draw the line and say, I don't want to fucking do this? Well, so, so before, before I answer that question, I do want to say part of the reason I spend so much time on this show saying you're fuck just, college. I'm bitter buying, and angry. You're just buying time to come up with a fucked up answer for going through the fucking 18 no, years I've already of prison. Got it. I've already got it. So, but no, it's, it's, I have a lot of anger because then, then what happened is I, I struggle along. I can't find an office job that I like. I struggle through four or five different things. I finally go, fuck it. I'm going to go chase my dream and run heavy equipment. Cause that's what I want to do. And all of a sudden like I'm having, this is the first time in my life I've ever enjoyed going to work. Like this is something I love doing and I'm passionate about. And then as I get into the industry, now I'm a year or two in and I'm starting to see, holy shit, I struggled through college for six years. I took the scenic route because I fucking hated it. And so it took me six years instead of four to get my, my bachelor's degree. That's six years gone that I could have been working, could have become a foreman because I've got that drive and I've got the skills. I could have become a foreman early on. By the time I was in year six or seven, I could have been a superintendent. And instead, I'm still sitting on the end of a shovel because I was told that going this way was going to make me successful. And so that's where a lot of my anger comes from. Now, to answer your question on when does this kind of, when do we draw the line in the sand and when does this start to change? That's where I'm excited about everything that we're doing by all of us collectively sitting here and having these conversations. You're seeing on social media, they're starting to get the, there's this resurgence of that pride in the trades. I've, man, over the last six months, I have really become a firm believer that we are on the cusp of this quiet revolution that's happening. And it's just, there's been this building steam of the trades being frustrated Um, on being looked down on as being this second choice because you're not successful if you if you go into the trades and everybody's fucking tired of it and now you also have you know we're we're sitting we've been out of school now for almost 20 years so you're sitting with 20 years worth of college graduates repeatedly coming out year after year after year going where the fuck is my golden ticket i was promised And I think it's all kind of coming to a head now. And that's why you're seeing so much stuff on social media and you're seeing more and more podcasts like this and YouTube channels focusing on trades. I think it's finally the trades have have had enough and they're going, no, we're going to stand up and say, this is the line in the sand. It's bullshit. Everyone's being sold bullshit. I love that this is coming from a guy that believes the world's flat. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love it. He's a flat earther, dude. Like... If you get to the ad, you're fucking gone. But so to touch on that, though. And I can prove it. <laughs> to touch on that, though, where you guys are at out in the industry doing this, do you have younger kids coming out and seeing excitement in what you're doing? Yeah. Can I say something? Hold Two on. Things, I got to talk about one thing. All right. Hit it. So Ooh, this, this, yeah. on. <laughs> this blue collar uh, revolution, mm-hmm. that you, this movement that you speak yes. of. Um, have you seen the people... The posers, the ones that want that but are not. Is it called Edge Waters? No, no. But have you have, like they copying you or what? No, the like employees Dress up like or a people, welder or a yeah. car hurt guy. Yeah, you know, the it people really that exists. you know. Yeah. I, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, we oh see no, it. where at? Just for the publicity? Not for publicity. It's the the they, style. I think it's the style, and they they want the lifestyle. It looks cool, like you know the shit that we do on Instagram, or you guys talk about on YouTube and all that. 
and they want it until it actually comes down to it. Like to I'll, actually hold the yeah, shovel. Oh fuck, it's snowing. Yeah, well, they Photoshop and this it's shit. Thirty-one degrees. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm telling you, people that have worked for us. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. We, there was one we literally had to let go. There was there was no other way to explain it to him, which the guy looked like a beast of a man. Great shape. Oh, he's like beard, six, like, two, two hundred pounds. Big oh, shit. Yeah. Hard, everything. Oh, hang then, on. Let me unzip yeah, my pants right? here. No. This is, <laughs> just a little hot. <laughs> he's what you look for in a, in a guy that you want to lift we, shit up and put it down. There's <laughs> always these uh, these unicorns that come to us. Not always, but every like. Two or three times a year, every few months. And then Garrick will get one or I'll get one. And it's like, this guy's been reaching out. He really wants a job. And it is hard to tell until you actually get him out there in it. And it's happened two or three times where it's like, holy smokes. They just want to do what they've seen, which is actually really cool. It yeah. means we are marketing as a industry to that blue collar um, like this guy's never turned. I didn't know before. that was something. Yeah, so that no, people strive so, to do if they never had. Um, and I don't want to knock them because obviously he put they, effort they in. Try, put effort. So when in, did but, you yeah. fire him after like the third TikTok video or <laughs> yeah, the, the Instagram? <laughs> post. About three weeks. It was I got a I got a, a call or you got a call from Gary? He was underneath the. Were they moving ready right or where were they? They're in Metamora. I probably shouldn't get too detailed, but he was underneath like. Piece of ready rack or something taking pictures. Oh, oh no, no, we were lift, there was the freaking ledgestone. You got oh, the, that's what it was, the ledgestone. ledgestone yeah. but, oh, was, no, shit. you gotta be kidding yeah, me. Which, which, you know, he, but that's how we live was yeah. through that lifestyle. But take the first step of actually learning how to do this stuff and get good at it, just do it, then learn to take the pictures. Can I go back real quick? Yep, College is a business, we all know that now. It wasn't sold as that to start. And right. our parents, they were always outliers, they always see things for what they are. And I would love to sit here with my brother and take the credit for the fact that like we are these great uh, philosophers that see everything. No, we've had a ton of teaching and just been been prompted to see things for what they are, not just follow the herd. Yeah. The other thing is um, when you talk about the blue collar individual and what you guys are doing, which both of us have listened to all your stuff and love your cause. Um, and you just had, uh, your first sponsor, I think you said today, mm -hmm. um, that's something we're going to start talking about because if you actually, if you are looking for people that are passionate about this industry and, and are excited about working with their hands and building, um, themselves in the blue collar trade, I'd be advertising for employment mm -hmm. on here. Yeah. We'd be happy to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I love that we're movie. suckering now, all of our guests into right. becoming well, sponsors. Well, that, that was <laughs> totally organic too. That was beautiful. Like, I'm, I'm, my, the wheels are turning. <laughs> I saw the advertising thing. We talked about it. I'm like, why? Why is there not more people now advertising on here for employees? Let's, yeah, we're gonna let's get go a giant to, check made for a hundred dollars. We can let's go back. Take pictures of it for us. Let's let's touch back on your blue collar movement here. Um, both you. We we got to get Totten in some hot pants holding it for us, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think I think, that's I think nice. Totten's got some hot pants tonight. He ain't feeling too good. That's, so that's true. I bet you that old shitter is fucking burning, <laughs> buddy. Yes, it is burning. He's probably using baby wipes to cool her down. But let's <laughs> let's touch on that for a second there, because you said that there's a movement going on, right? We all noticed that, and you just said what sticks to me. I've always thought it. We've talked about it like in our small group, but now we're talking about it on the air. Everybody's been lied to to a certain point, but I feel like 
a lot more trades people because they got into it with their hands. They find the truth by just putting into work. Cause you'll get a lot of people that will go, well, that can't happen or that's not possible. And yet you, you, you watch these guys put their hands the tools, everything go and they make shit happen. It's like they expose the truth by just doing. Yeah. Why do you, why do you think that the guys in the trades stand more back that way where they find the truth versus like when somebody's lying to them, they're just like, Oh yeah, just go down that route. And he's like, no, let me open the book and let me fix this. Mm. Why do you, why do you find that in this trade? I have a theory on that and it's, I want facts. Well, I'm sorry. I can't spit facts. So Jerry, you're going to have to take it or Garrett, you know, one of you guys, because I don't have facts. I only have speculation. Let's hear your theory. (laughs) And then I want to hear the bash brothers. Well, I mean, if you think about just within our pool of guests that we've had on here and you guys have both talked about it, independent of one another, we were always the kids who liked playing outside we would rather go out and do something than sit on a screen or sit under fluorescent lighting. You know, we're all tinkerers. I don't know about you guys. Did you work on cars or anything like that? No. Yeah, I mean, everything. Well, yeah, you're farming. So, yeah, you're working on it. I mean, we were we were the tinkerers. We were the guys that were out doing things. And I this we need Totten here to correct me. It's guys and girls. Because girls are involved in this. Girls and are. Included. Women are I, I apologize. I did not mean to be sexist. But anyway... We're, we're the people who are constantly doing things. And I think as a result, your mind is just wired differently to where you're constantly looking for the problem. You're looking for the root of the problem. And that that extends beyond something mechanical. When you start looking at things in the world, whether it's politics or it's education or it's all of this other stuff, as a doer, you're looking for the root of the problem so we can go fix it. I think it's critical thinking. Yeah, I want to pause. It is. It's I a lot of critical right thinking. Why Totten is always talking about the women are on the other side is because he fucking uses a man pine. <laughs> just want to let you know. <laughs> you know what? I'm, 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 just, blame him. I'm <laughs> shitting all over Totten tonight. He didn't make it. I was about to say, I'm going to call you out on the fact that you're shitting all over Totten and he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> well, I think there's a podcast or two. That's true. You that is all over me. That is true. I have in the I have two theories to the let's hear it. problem or not or the question that you yeah. have is <clears throat> I mostly talk to my wife about this stuff because she I, listens. To you. Yeah, she listens. And, <laughs> you know, is it by choice or by force? I think sometimes it's 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 one or the other. It depends on the night and, Just and shut up so de- we can go to sleep. Depends <laughs> depends on how how my day went. If it was a good day, well, she'll. I mean. She'll listen and listen and listen. She, she she's great. I love her to death. Um, I know that sometimes I do annoy her just because of my bullshit. But um, <laughs> so you're a husband. And if, yeah, and there, but but if there's problems at work, I walk about nine miles a night around my living room and just look out the window and think. You got that fucker burned down. Yep, yeah, <laughs> I, I have a path everywhere. But um, I th- it's a critical thinking is you you and just wanting to solve the problem. Because it's like, yeah, give up on it. I, I've never, I've never liked doing that. I've always liked to find a solution. You want to follow through. Yep, follow yep. through with it. You know, if I, if you do what you say you're going to do 100 percent of the time, you gain almost everybody's trust. Yeah, except for the few certain customers we have. But the the things that um, Jerry and I and my brother did, um, driving tractors and shit from the time we were seven, eight years old. You know, stick shift everything, all that stuff. The things that I watch and I teach people to do now mm-hmm. in their mid twenties 
is shit that I was taught and I did when I was 10. Yeah. You know, and your brain is like a little sponge. You have kids, you know, you can see that and everything working really fast and it, they soak it right in. Especially with swear words. What the fuck is that oh, about? Yeah. No, I know. You can, can you can read an entire novel and they yeah. won't be able to tell you a single thing, but you drop one fuck in there and there's yeah. fuck yeah. what? I got, I got a, they're binging our episodes. <laughs> That's I, right. I got a funny story about the swear word thing. So my parents live right next door to me and they watch my son, who's Garrick Jr., uh, two days a week. So my wife had a less than perfect day and she was not in a good mood when we got down there to go pick him up. <clears throat> And we get in the car, driving back, and we're just yeah. driving the lane. So he's sitting in the middle, not in his car seat. And she was not in a good mood. So I'm like, well, you just go and calm down. I go, I'm going to take him around and we'll drive around the field and we'll let you relax. So she shuts the door and I go, oh, she's being a bitch. <laughs> under, under my breath. I've already told her about this. She knows this story. <laughs> so instantly, right out of his mouth, she'd be a bitch. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> shit. So, I love it. Yep, I ignored it for long enough that he stopped saying it and yep. it didn't come back up. Oh, yet. Yeah, not yet. But. You know, mom, dad <laughs> called you a bitch the other day. That's that's the worst too when you're like, okay, don't tell your mom we're about to do this. And the first thing that happens when you walk in the door, mom, you'll never guess what dad let me do. Yeah. Like, God yeah, right. damn it. <laughs> now, why do you guys find it? Obviously, you guys are on the cutting edge of what you're doing. You're innovators on everything every aspect of what you guys run into. How come you find it in the trades? Like we'll get on with the job and the, the crew will be on down the road, but you guys are the front runners of the company. Why do you find it that you're always thinking about the future job and the past job? Why do you always find it like, oh, I could have did this a little bit better. I could have tweaked this a little bit better. Why do you find that in this skill set with the trades where you're working on the present job, but you're still thinking about the future job that's coming up and the past job anymore. For for me, do you have do you have a answer? I I took over the last one, so I'll let you do this. Uh, for me, it's always I'm always you guys are so in political. That, like, I love it. Paradox <laughs> because just like in the world, the past and the present. I mean, we need to learn from our history and then adapt and try to do it better on the next one. So that is how I always feel. I'm still worried about, and to be honest, a lot of the jobs that are done are not totally done. Like I know there's going to be that's something work. that comes up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe not in that sense. That's but called reoccurring revenue. In business, I learned this from my cousin, Adam. I mean, I think we all know this being a business, but he articulated it perfectly. He said, in business, we make our own problems and we do. And then we have to figure out how to solve those problems. That kind of goes back to, I think, your question of why do a lot of us that couldn't sit inside that box yeah. and and check bubbles of only four answers to a question, which those multiple choice things, not to get so down the school road again, there were so many times where I'm like, there's multiple correct answers. Yeah. Or there's ants that the actual correct answer is not even on this six bubble a b c d yeah go, go take your cdl test that was <laughs> <laughs> um, that but, drove me freaking nuts mm -hmm. you you have to put the answer you know they think is correct correct right. yep. and you're, you're looking exactly. for wording in those motherfuckers yes mm -hmm. yep. yes that's what i think a lot of school is though is uh whether it is high school or college maybe more so what is the answer that people want to hear yes which that's not always the correct answer telling people what they want to hear and i've learned that 
a hard lesson in business. Telling somebody what they want to hear more times than not screws us. Telling people what they need to hear, this is a piece of junk. I'm not going to work on it. You're going to have to get something new, even though they might not like that. Telling people what they want to hear is simply a mechanism to delay pain. Well, that's t- all it is. That's a good, good that, way to put it. Yeah. A very good way to put a little it. bit more because obviously some of our guests aren't in the business seat and they might be thinking about that down the road. Why telling them what they really need to hear screws you down the road? I'll give you an example that Please. I'm still dealing with to this day. Um, how long have we been on this seawall beach job that I sold that should never have been sold? But I had a very confident two years. This will, uh, I guess we're coming up on two years. No, no, no. We're just a little over a year now. Tell him what he needs we'll, we'll to hear, not what you want him to hear. No. <laughs> we're, we're a little over. We're a little over a year. Yeah. This is where it's the partnership a- thing, the dynamic, really comes in handy because as long as you're humble enough to take criticism from somebody that you love and trust, sure, yeah. Um, whether that is your family or not. If you're in business with somebody pretty damn close to family. You got to be balls deep with them. Yeah. It's many of times with this individual that from the very beginning that he has said that we should not do that. And I'm, and I'm just seeing my vision. So anyways, in this circumstance, uh, I have sold the job, put in a ton of blood, sweat, and tears, or our guys have... And we are still um, beating a dead horse. So, uh, what was your original question? I got to get me back on track here with the. Uh, <laughs> the you're killing I'm, I'm now wondering about I forward jobs and past jobs. And, so, and, and then why, why telling them what they really need to hear? There you go. That's why weird. it puts you at a disadvantage. Exactly. So, this individual, smart guy, very, um, very confident in what he wanted. And usually I don't sell things like this. I've learned that lesson many years ago, but every once in a while, there'll be somebody that like cracks the cheat code. And I'm like, if you think it'll work, then we'll do it. Well, yeah, I'll pay for it. Let's do it. It's because this one was four miles up the road. It was close to home. So I was like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to change lanes and we're going to do this. So then even one step further, I'm really just, I'm really grilling myself here. Then he wants another little something. And right now, everything's still working. Put in this boat launch area. Um, and then, anyways, long story short, I am to the point where I should have just told him a year and a half ago or whatever it was, that's not going to work. I know that. I know that you said this is what you want and you're okay with it, but now you won't let me go. Yeah. It's it's constant. What? So that's where it comes into kind of being the bad guy, learning when to say no, the power of no. Huge. It's powerful. Huge. I will say you though. You know it well. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you on some of my I fucking, I, dude, I tell people hit the road, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Rick is very I'm good at here. telling people fuck off. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm very bold and right to the point. Like when these guys start asking for extras on a job, or whatever, I fucking flat out ask them like, "What's your budget, dude?" I I get to the point. Yeah, the Rick doesn't fuck around with go. that. Yeah. yeah. You know, One times thing. times money, man, yeah. and right there. And it leads me into what I want to go down with you guys now because it's getting interesting. Wait, before you go there, though, I have a question for him about what he just said. Can I can I cut you off? Is that okay? Does it fucking matter? Here, I'll just mute his microphone. We'll be all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, go back to, to the dynamic between you and Garrick. Like, it, it's difficult to admit when you done fucked up. 
And it's even more difficult to have someone, even if it's in a really loving way, say, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Any comments on that? That's a, that's a hard yeah, pill to swallow. Not, it's not always as uh, reasonable as I'm portraying it on a podcast, but I, and I'll let you chime in too. I do think we do um, a pretty good job. I think we're both very acutely aware of the fact that we need somebody to cover these blind spots where for me, I sometimes don't realize the actual um, amount of time and energy and blood, sweat and tears that goes into something because he's still just a little bit closer. Yeah. I actually fear for the day that he's a little bit further away and there's somebody else there. Cause that that's where like, we're in the perfect <laughs> place. I, I hope not, but I, and I don't, I don't know exactly where this will go or how far it'll go. If we're going to get to a point where we have, multiple GMs underneath you or how that goes. But um, give give me your take on that. I was going to say, give us kind of how do you lovingly tell your, your brother and your business partner, Hey, you need to listen to me on this. (laughs) It's yeah. It's, I mean, usually that I told you so moment, if you are put in enough uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable situations cease to exist. Yes. How do you prevail through those? We've been telling each other that you have fucked up or he has been telling me that I have fucked up for the last 15 years. No, oh, so, there you go. So I you're mean, quite comfortable it, yeah, in that it's conversation. Like, it's just a look and like, God okay, damn it, yep, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the I, emotion yeah. is now out of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's, I guess it does. It does bum me out a little bit when I'm like, he was right, but it's not hurtful. Like he doesn't like me. It's hurtful. It, it's productive as in. This wasn't a good idea yeah. for the goal it, of making money. And it's more the sting of admitting defeat yeah. than it is the actual yeah, words. Likes to do that, especially a man. Yeah, you wanna, absolutely. You want to know everything. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I'm yeah. the king. So, and it, it just it it gets it. I don't know. Having the shuffle shit around as a, like an emergency situation. Yeah. As I I run you know all the operations, I'm I'm pretty tight knit with a lot, with all the guys that work with us. Um. He deals with and to 20, say, 20, 20 guys. Yeah. Wow. Hey, hey, you three. Directly. Like you're heading, you're heading back to that job. And it's like, <laughs> fuck. You know. But what about when you're like, this is the one that Jerry sold. Do, you know, do I want to hear what they say? No. No. Not too no, no. Fucking Jerry. I don't think. I don't think anyone wants. Andy just, wants to hear what you they say to about Andy. Sometimes. One of those sensor beeps here. Yeah. And- <laughs> well, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. A little more banter back between them without without us a little bit. Is we're talking about business and we start going down this road. Both of you guys came right out of high school, got into the fields. You're killing it. You're doing a good job. If you could give some pointers to the people out in the field and then tell them what it's like running a business, the learning curves that you guys learned, why it's so important to trust another person in the business because you can't do it all yourself. If you could kind of take our audience down that road of, you know, why your brother's so successful and why you're so successful and how do you keep your employees at bay? Cause obviously like you, you run 20 guys. How do you keep the like friendship boundary to work boundary? Like if you could take our people down that journey of kind of like what it's like running a business in between you two for a little bit and give them some pointers. What's my, it like? My, my, my first advice would be never, 
partner the fucker up. always interrupts you know me. what you fuck go. off See? Garrick we didn't invite you I didn't get the start off yet Jerry's in yeah. we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to dissolve this business. Jerry's already figured out that he's so good we invited him back for a second yeah. one this, so this fuck Jerry, everybody this else this is why Jerry sold that fucking Johnny case you know, he's already that's, in it yeah, I was worried that you're gonna bring him on and then you're not gonna want me that's so, right so I gotta get my piece in I was gonna say you really I, I, I would say in most scenarios you should not uh, partner up I, I, that's what we've been taught in our famous family. We've been doing business for a hundred years or they have. Um, that was my only piece of it. How him and I work out. I don't know. We're an oddity. Um, I would actually really like to hear your insight. This is kind of special cause we don't get to talk about this. And, and why not partner up though? Do you believe that way too? Ooh, family gets messy. Yeah, I want to. I want to hear it now. Fam, family well, stuff does get messy. How, how many stories do you guys have about family businesses breaking apart? I mean, the, so, the statistics. Uh, yeah, well, statistic we're, we're wise, pro- we're probably going to make this into two episodes. So let's hear. Let's hear this. Wow, Rick has already decided how we're going to divvy this up. Apparently, Rick is taking over all the operations of this whole thing. Wait, so who's in in charge here? (laughs) I make Brian do all the bench work, and I sit here with the questions. But let's let's talk about that. As you start going in, obviously, give us your perspective. Garrett, give us your perspective, and let's enter this conversation. Okay. So, in, in my opinion, is don't take, don't take it. They say you shouldn't take business personally. I take, I take everything that I'm serious about personally. Sure. Relationships, business, being a father. If I want to get drunk one night, you know, I will get shit faced if I want to, I take it all personally, you know, but don't take it so personally and always focus on the negative. Listen to the why. Yeah. Jerry, listen, why we shouldn't take that job. You know, a lot of, we didn't make any money on it. A, it upsets the guys because it's like we have to go back to this bullshit job. You know, we never focus on the negatives. Figure out the positive of the why someone is kind of calling you out. Yeah. You know, and it's always easy to focus on the negative. Like when someone gets mad, leave a bad review. It's always negative. But I've done business with this woman for 15 years or 10 years. They've now let's just focus on the yeah. one little negative, you know, but I've never heard anything really super positive other than out of 10 years. Yeah. You know, but maybe you should do a better job. I think so too. But uh, the easy route. But always, just always, yeah, always self-reflect. You know, yeah. figure out, try and figure out what you can do. And this has made me successful in my relationship. I hope uh, she feels the same way. But you know, reflect on the why and don't always sorry um, focus on just the negative of shit. You know, I feel like that's that's. A much bigger problem than just business or just you and your wife. I feel like uh, there has been uh, over the last, I don't know, 50 years or so, this slow downturn in the amount of empathy we express for other people. And instead of instead of hearing it, like when Rick comes to me and Brian, you fucked up, like this is going to cost us a lot of money. I, I receive that and 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 self-reflect like you're talking about. But so many people don't even think about where Rick's coming from. They're yeah. just like, fuck you, buddy. We're getting so yep. so polarized. That that is And self-centered. That is That's it. it. Yeah, that that's where it's going. Like I don't know how philosophical we need to get, but social media, the algorithm sending you more of what you want to see. Yes. I used to think that stuff was kind of funny or or not true, I guess would sure. be what I want to say. 
now I'm like, man, everybody's fighting. Why Why are you <clears throat> chiming in on that? Seek to understand. Um, just re- wait. Get my, my brother's very good at taking a situation and not trying to solve it immediately. And I know why he does it, because the emotion and that adrenaline charge isn't always the best way. Letting that emotion dictate your answer is exactly what you're saying. Yes, That's you wise. can get emotions you, involved in business, but don't make your decision based on emotion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that's that's better articulated. Now, why do you, why do you pause on all that instead of just being so sporadic and outraging with it and just telling them to fucking get up Ship's Creek? Yelling and bitching and screaming has never gotten me anywhere. And it does I'd happen. Never, yeah. Some, both of us, it and does I've, happen. I've fucked up so much of my dad's shit, and I've, he has never yelled at me. Wow. Like ever screamed at me. He's always been a very different. You could tell. I could just tell from the look in his eyes if he was disappointed at me. And I was like, yeah, shit. Now, how you do know? you guys keep your 20 employees? How do you guys keep it? Because obviously they come like family. They start be growing on you. They're a network. But as people transition into a business and you get thriving, how do you kind of keep that at bay of this is still your job? This is still our business our company has to make money. Like how do you start transitioning where you draw the line with the employees? Mm-hmm. That, that's been uh, a big move in the last three years because uh, prior to that, we were um, a lot more. Pull that mic in just a hair sorry. more. You're good. We were a lot more um, in tune with um, being more like a helicopter parent. What do you need? What's going on? And we, we realized that that really wasn't helping him. Yeah. Um, to, to be, I think it was, uh, uh, Greg, is that who is from, uh, Pete Black plumbing? Yeah. Greg. From that podcast, I, I heard him, uh, a snippet from that where he said, I'm a, a loan, uh, broker, uh, therapist. And he named off a bunch of different things. Uh, that's so true. That really struck a chord with me. But we've we've learned now that our kids are growing. That now they have to. I hate to say it like that because they're not kids. They're they're very good at what they do. But to to relate it to the parenting aspect, we are learning to uh, distance ourselves a little bit more and let them solve their problems, especially when it does come to um, personal life because that does bleed into business. Can you take it anywhere from there? Yeah. Yeah. I. I People that he's have, much better at this. People than me, that have yeah. been have been fired in the past, and you guys can rewind this. And it's it's something that I always say. People that we have let go in the past, those are my employees. The people that work with us now, we work together. Yeah, they work with us. Yeah. We're, we're all, family. We're we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah. you know, I don't I don't tell a customer, hey, talk to my employee over there. Right. You know, it's always talk go to, talk to what, whatever their name, name is. Yeah, yeah. And we don't, in in my opinion. And I, I, I work hand in hand with all of them. You know, I talk to every single one of them almost every single morning. You know, sometimes it's just the foreman and then, you know, he relays everything to the crew. But I like to be in the now and I, I, I don't know that I'll ever let go of that. Um, maybe someday we'll have to. But I just always like to, to feel the room. You yeah. Know, and feel when, with, if anyone's upset, did, you know. I don't know if you caught that. Jerry, are you saying you took away a material piece of wisdom from this show as opposed to just a dick joke yes. 
<laughs> the dick jokes are pretty funny too. And, do, you, uh, do you got any dick jokes? Uh, that you want to drop when, out? When you guys hit the, uh, yeah. Hmm. No, you, you, oh, Brandon's got one. Give Brandon the mic. Swing it over. You, you guys do Brandon walk around back. Beat all right. shorts all day long. All right. Here's a joke for everybody. And this is the videographer speaking that's charming in, guys. And we're trying to get him on. Yes. We're still waiting for you to come on and do your own episode. He, come, he comes on to men anytime. <laughs> Are we out yet? Yeah, it's going to happen. All right, let's hear the dick joke. All right, while you guys <laughs> re-up the beer, here we go. What's the... Uh, so I guess this is what makes this a dick joke. <laughs> What's the last thing you want to hear when you're giving Willie Nelson a blowjob? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Willie Nelson. <laughs> Can I do a quick side story about the dick thing? This is one. This is one thing about our uh, autocorrect. Our is auto and yep. Doc and Dick. Yep. Yeah. This, this is your so, guys' show. Yep. Doc mm-hmm. and Dick are very, very, very commonly. We have we have a lot of these. Water's edge dick and hoist. Yep. We see. Yeah, we oh, see yeah. them. Yeah. We prime it. We pump it. Yep. <laughs> so I got a I got an email from a customer. Is this the easy dot guy? No, not... Well, he's got... Yes. Yes and no. Not at that point. Oh, this is good. But subject line of the email, 1130. Urgent dick update. (laughs) And I'm laying there. I mean, it's 1130. (laughs) Just got out of the shower. Was it like a nude? (laughs) No, no. Urgent dick update. You know, it's supposed to be doc. You know? So so I, I looked at my wife. I'm like, oh, this is... This is gonna be a good one. Fling it open, and we get a lot of drunken emails and phone calls from people. Anyway, so it was probably a three paragraph email, and it was to do with this individual's doc. Every every single, single one was <laughs> was his dick. Yep, his dick. His so how is it, how is his dick working right now? Well. I don't, leaning to the left. Yep, I no, I don't have my right. no, no. <laughs> need to be touched up a little bit. No, my dick was submer- is submerged two and a half inches below the water. <laughs> it was fuckers hung, bro. Yeah. Well, I, I have a, I have the same in my emails. Too. Brian, Brian's got my phone charging upstairs, or else I'd read it to you guys. It was it was a funny one. That's Brian's dick joke. Yep. Oh, that's so, awesome. What about the guy that? Uh, Said, uh, what did I want to do? Bring somebody out to show show him his dog. Oh, that was like <laughs> autocorrect on my part. Yeah, you you sent that to him. I sent a guy. Uh, I sent a guy an email about bringing some customers out to check out his dick. Yeah. And he's a good sport. He's like, and I said, I'll give you some cleats or for using your dick as a showpiece. <laughs> and he goes, you're going to have to give me more than that to use my dick as a showpiece. And then, so the, a lot of these emails go to the general mailbox and Garrett goes, Jerry, you have to read this. I will say on this note, Finding the humor in a lot of this stuff, yeah. even the shitty situations, that yeah. I think that's a lot of what keeps so us going. Absolutely, is Water's Edge got his fans only page. <laughs> Pretty much, that's right. So, Water's Edge Dick and Hoist. That's that's a different company we have. You know, now what? What's the YouTube channel we find that on? The Dick Water's Master. Edge Dick and Hoist. <laughs> <laughs> the dick man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the dick man, the dog man. Hey, hey, dick it all. Hey, there's a dick man and everybody, okay? <laughs> now, going back. How, do you, how, do, you want how do you go back to a serious conversation? <laughs> because there's that. a lot of swinging dick around here, and I'm done with it. I will say, to touch on what you just said, though, the, the finding the humor, um, 
there is like the trades are hard. We yeah. deal with a lot of hard situations, whether it's physical labor, whether it's just jobs, shitty job site dam- dynamics. Mm-hmm. You're on you're on Jerry's job for the 18th time because the fucker doesn't know how to sell something. Thanks for bringing that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, we deal with a lot yeah. of stress. And I do feel like that's why humor is such a big part of the trades is because you do have to you have to let some steam blow off in in some healthy way mm-hmm. or you're going to have issues. And I think that's how we all deal with it in the trades is you, you either laugh about it or you go home and you have an aneurysm. Yeah. Work well, is, you, you work is supposed to be fun. It yeah, is supposed absolutely. to be fun. How do, you, how do you guys have fun as you let your kids start walking? How do you... Like, when do you got to start letting them go and start flying? And how do you have them let them have fun as they're failing and learning all at the same time? How do you guys do that as your do, business grows? Do you remember when, when we were talking about the flipping over of the barge the oh, other yeah. day? So um, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I will. And, the, and that had, barge is called the Dick Lifter we, 2000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the I heard your brother hold his breath and go down for a while. We, I think we said something about long I'm time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing breath holding. Yeah, I was that Anyways, the, moving on. The, uh, you the, can take a ten inch. I think somebody said something. I'll have to uh, back it up. And see, but somebody, I, I might have said something that really was like a jinx, like, hasn't happened in a while, but, and then everybody laughed and said, that'll probably happen again. The, you got a phone call and the barge that they were towing, it was towards the end of the day, wasn't it? Came off the hitch of the truck. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. So anyways, we will, I'll elaborate on that, but to the humor aspect of this, um, was not a good thing no, nobody got hurt there was not any massive damage i mean a lot of a lot of small cosmetic damage but the joke that is ongoing even the individual that might be at fault for this which it's usually nobody's fault as we know especially when you have a lot of employees sure uh was very upset with himself nobody tries to do something like yeah. that but i've i've just noticed how that humor diffuses situations so um as time has gone on, now it's funny. We're at what three or four weeks out from it, maybe yeah. not quite. Every day, yeah. check yeah. your trailers. Still a joke. Yeah, do you have the <laughs> let's hook them up. Let's the... hook them up properly today, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no humor's huge. If we're serious and pissed off about everything, that's just going to build and build and build until it something erupts. blows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and no one, and then no one wants to be around you if you're always wound up and you yes, know, check your fucking trailer or whatever. You know, you can come across differently and still get the same or better results from it. You know what though? I will say that is, that is a generational thing because if you still deal with the old school superintendents and foreman, and there's still a lot floating out there, unfortunately mm-hmm. they are the yellers and the screamers. Mm-hmm. And I worked for two of them. Hated my life. Uh, I'm, I mentor part of what I do with diesel and iron is I also mentor subscribers that reach out to me and I talk to them regularly. And, and I've got two of them at the moment both of them one's in canada one's in arizona totally unrelated both of them called me this past week with the exact same problem i have a superintendent that is jumping down my throat every single thing i do how do i deal with the situation and all i had to tell him was like this is what i talk about when i say you have to have thick skin getting in the trades because unfortunately there are still those assholes out there and they are still floating around and you just got to put in your time until you can move to a different crew. But I feel like enough of our generation has dealt with those assholes that we all kind of took a silent vow. I'm not going to be that guy. 
And now we all well, and we can also deal with that. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing too is we have healthy yeah, coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, how have you guys, as you started growing and things are going, and you're keeping it real with your guys by kind of not helicoptering but taking a step back? Do you guys find yourself more being successful instead of just being out there yelling, drill sergeant, this is how we do it, versus kind of bringing everybody together and talking about what they're doing, why it matters, the end goal, the steps to get through it, and then kind of step back and let them go? Or do you got to put a guy out there that just sits there with a fucking whip and cracks every single fucking person? I'll start this. I think you can follow up on this. In the last podcast, I remember... Um, I learned a lot about myself, by the way, talking to you guys and Sweet. just articulating you. Um, oh, I never I, I sent said, you uh, that counseling bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it's ongoing. Right oh, that's, that's yeah. right. Yeah. We'll just add it onto the bill. <laughs> this, this, this is, is just a, a family session. Put it on too. the tab. <laughs> a couple's therapy session. <laughs> right. It's, it's a bromance uh, of some sort. <laughs> um, the, the, um, being a, a master of delegation is the people that I see that know uh, that do the best in their craft. Maybe they're not so much a master of their craft, but they're a master of delegation. That's where, you know, I can say that and I can see it. That's where Garrick brings it to life. So um, from that philosophy that him and I have discovered or, or determined, that's where he actually can go, okay, here is how we do this. That's where the actual hard work starts. Yeah. This is the point of our relationship where at, at one point I was where he was with many less people or much more or less yeah. people, but now he's there and he's um, now putting that into place. You know, on the, on that note though, delegation it's and important. leadership in general, not only is it important, I, I think that's, Another thing that as a society, we kind of sell as this false bill of goods that, well, everyone can be a leader and everyone can delegating. You just have to learn the skills. And I would argue, no, that's if everyone were capable of being a leader, we wouldn't have businesses. Everyone would be out doing their own thing. And that's not a knock on guys who aren't doing their own thing. There are guys, and I talked to hundreds of them over the last couple of years that all they want to do is run a machine and there is nothing wrong with that. That is a great career. You can have a very successful career and you're not lesser than the foreman or the superintendent because you want to operate a machine. It's two different skill sets. Mm-hmm. You know, very talented people that they, they wouldn't be able to lead right now. Why do, why yeah. do you, why do you feel that you succeed delegating people and running with it? Touch on it yourself and then touch on it maybe with a possible replacement down the road like what are you looking for is the next possible fill position who are you looking for in them but why do you do so good at it some some would say that i probably don't do very good at it <laughs> some days but well you're doing something I, right you guys yeah. are making money right your yeah. business is thriving we so you got some character yeah. and quality we strive to suck a little bit less every day but i always try and <clears throat> excuse me um Obviously, the goal with business owners, and I mean, you you try and train your replacement. Mm-hmm. You try, and you try. I've tried. Not one hundred and ten percent have succeeded. However, along the way, we have accumulated a lot of good, a lot of good people that are still here to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, go back to the question again. Why do you it? feel 
you do so good at delegating positions to the employees out there. Like what makes you so good at your job, getting it accomplished, telling people what they got to do. I'll say first off, you, you worked all of those positions. Yeah. And I, I sort of still I know do. all the positions right from the lowest one. Right why to is, the why does it matter one? for, why is all everything that you know, why does it matter for your position that makes you so good at it? Cause I know what they, any hurdles they can possibly go through and I know how to combat those. You know, I, I know what they need on job site. I know what they don't need. I know that it's not impossible because I've done it he, a million he times speaks before. To him so very well, very well. So here, here's a this this is not going to sound like some uh, Buddha statement, <laughs> but it is to me very similar. So yeah, we had somebody the other day that these guys are listening to this stuff, by the way. So I have to be very careful. <laughs> I would love to really call it out, but there was somebody that couldn't get a piece of equipment started. Yeah, so. Garrick, as he's wearing 25 different hats, says, did you check the fuel? Is it on? Look at the fuel filter. Is there fuel in it? And I just watch him systematically while he's doing all these other things, which is a lot of stuff. It's very impressive. We all do it. But for me to watch somebody else do it is awesome. And then finally, like, I got it started. And at first it was not going to run. Can't do this today. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it runs and I'm like, that's so simple, but so smart. It's, you know, that Zen, like just, just go systematically through go through. Yeah. yeah. And it but clicks. Like, yeah. But it like, clicks that, but he does that, that with every role. It's not just the guy that is trying to get something running. It's the other guy that's dealing with a customer and they're, um, trying to stop them at every road. Like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And instead of stepping in and doing it, which we've tried, and then it was just you and I, and yeah. we couldn't but build that. That, that also goes back to, if I had a problem. Brandon's back here. We yeah, got swings in, swinging. Swinging. And in the basement. And Brandon is swinging in the basement. Brandon's swinging some big head right at you guys. <laughs> but it was to go back to all the bullshit problems that we went through when I was, you know, him and I were 10, 11. Yeah. 12, 13, 4. Yeah. Our four-wheeler's not running. My dad's first first question was, does it have gas in it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, obviously it has gas in it. You know, and there is actually a time or two where... Oh, I was just about to say, gas. the answer is always, yeah, yep. dad, it's got gas. And it then ended, you pop the cap and yeah. go, oh, fuck. <laughs> it, and it didn't have gas in it. And it was never, right, you, you know... make up like, some lie like the spark plug was yeah, loose exact, or something. Exactly. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I got it I fixed. fixed it. I figured yeah, it yeah, out. Figured spark it out. plug was loose, <laughs> which, which then drained the gas out of the tank. So then we just had to tighten it back up and fill it back up. Yeah. And yeah. it was like... <laughs> well, and I think human nature is, this is why these guys are reaching out so quickly to be like, there's a problem. We can't do this. There was another one the other day with a barge situation. Watched them go through the same process. So, to not uh, to to not just like panic and try to go beyond what is the obvious is usually the answer nine but times out of ten. Just to, let's just go down the road, nice and slow. I sort I sort of hate to go back to it, but at the same time, how are we teaching kids now? And it's you have four multiple choice answers. And the answer is in a very one of these four multiple choices. So you have this entire mm-hmm. 15, 20 years of kids that have come out and all they know how to do is look at four choices. And if it's not there, they go, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. The critical thinking, going back to critical mm-hmm. thinking, our generation, 
Yep. We That's went it. out and we were critically thinking. I'm glad you connected those dots. 27 to, letters to, in the alphabet, not today. just A, B, C, and D. <laughs> yep. 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 Exactly. Today was the, it was sure. a clamp on, uh, and and oh, Brent, we love Brennan. We'll not take any offense to this. It's walk him through the process. Like, wasn't wasn't Brennan. Wasn't Brennan? Okay. Um, a crew member that we had. You know what? Brennan, you're going to get this one. Um, and, and it is, again, no disrespect to them because they're going through and looking for that bubble to fill in. Garrick is teaching them that there is bubbles between those bubbles. There's yeah. a lot of gray, invisible bubbles. Right. So they couldn't hook a chain on a, a, a picker. Plant for the panel. Yep. Yeah, panel so panel. I watched them go, can you, all the way to the point of, I'm not coming out there, so... Can you cut it, open it up, get it on? This is to pick a panel up with an excavator. It was yeah. a new picker that we had or whatever. Yeah, it was, it was a new clamp that we had. And, and then and then make that work? Yes. And it's like, all right, let's do that. And then, yeah. hey, you did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say, kind of going back to you having worked all of the jobs, that is something that that we undervalue in such a big way of starting at the bottom of the totem pole. So one of the biggest questions I get all the time from people online is how do I, how do I get into being a heavy equipment operator? How do I, and my, my answer is always go apply to a company and tell them you don't mind starting on the end of a shovel Mm -hmm. and you need to go spend, you need to go spend at least a year on the end of a shovel. And I, and I actively talk about the fact that one of the reasons I'm not a huge fan of the apprenticeship program through the union is because they throw you right into the seat of the equipment and then the basics they give you a little one week course on. Yeah. And Wait. I'm sorry, you don't learn how to run a grade rod by walking around for a day and shooting a couple grades. No. Why? Run running equipment though. I mean, you you got to you got to feel it. You know, you it know can't, it can't be taught in school. Nope. No. It's no. hands-on and it's hours yep. of experience and seat time. And I, I tell this to my guys um, all the time. So our bars we have, have you guys seen videos of those? How oh, they, yeah. When they, they're badass. Yep. So We'll be on there. Yep. So all that it is 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 five by three pieces of steel that squirt out of there. And that Your brother steel, used the I mean, same term, squirting. Yep, squirting out of there. <laughs> It's because they got they can't even fucking get the dock and dick right. So, <laughs> so a lot of squirt. The a lot big. of people don't know the the power of um <laughs> and how much uh how heavy that equipment the hydraulic pressure raises. Yeah. You know, tens of thousands of pounds. Sure. And you know, seconds. and that, that hoist is, you know, maybe only eight hundred pounds or nine hundred pounds, mm-hmm. but it's stuck in the mud. And that spring steel, eighteen foot out, that's bending flexing three foot. Yeah. That's it's about of, to that's go. A, huh? That's a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. You know? So what we do is we put ratchet straps around it so it doesn't put any pressure on the hoist. That ratchet strap takes the pressure of it. Mm. Well, and I always see guys when they they you know I'm I'm prying a hoist out of the mud, you know, and I think I've I've been out of the field actually physically doing you know working seven days a week for two years. I've been out of the field. Okay. But they step over it, you know, and they just straddle it over it and say, like, ooh, hey. ooh. You know? <laughs> That hydraulic line breaks. It's your nuts that are going to pay the price. Exactly. Or That's the ratchet come strap. Bite you in the ass. Or the frame of the hoist. You yeah. know, they're, they're, if you don't see it firsthand, you don't know what could happen. You've probably seen yeah. hydraulic line break, yep. lines break, and we, all that. We blow them all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. So, so, but it's even more important than just 
Like I totally agree with everything you just said. It, it's you have to get to know the machine, and you only do that by working your way up from the bottom. But but even more importantly is, I mean, you're in a supervisory role, and yet I, st- I still I I will labor under a foreman every day. I'm never above any job. Oh, agreed yeah. with that. But where I go with that is is that that casual conversation where you're able to take an employee and walk them through your list of things to check to see if this machine's going to start. Had you not started at the bottom and worked through every one of those positions and done all of those jobs, you wouldn't have the ability to do that. You would have totally been missing that chunk of knowledge that kept you from how far away was the job? A half hour or so that if you had to physically drive out there to figure it out because you didn't have that knowledge or if your machine breaks and you got a wheelbarrow, a bunch of shit. Exactly. But learning the hard way. But That's what so many people getting into the industry don't understand about that. Starting at the bottom is that foundation isn't just to prove that you can make it in the industry. That foundation is there so that 10 years from now, when you're a superintendent and you get the rookie that calls you, I can't get the hose started. You don't have to drive down it there and troubleshoot it with him. A couple of dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Rick. <laughs> but no, that's because you have all of that experience. And so that's why I am, I am die hard. Don't go into the union apprenticeship program. Well, the, go work a shovel. Starting to run a shovel. That's the graduating high school, starting college of the. Right. It, it is. It absolutely he, is. He walks amongst the people that work for us, which is the way to do it. And that's what a true leader should learn to be a leader. And then came out on the job site, which I don't want to say I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm not happy to say that we have tried that at least once where we hired somebody not from within and it was a few months that we it was just a bombshell it was not it was not a good situation now but we don't know we're learning as we go too well people think of leaders as like just mentally you kind of think of them as a king like people follow you out of obligation but the reality is especially in the trades true leaders are more like the guys that are leading the charge into battle. The reason people are following you is because you are worthy of being followed. They're a book of knowledge, though, when they eat it up. And you you watched a guy come right through to labor. You watch him learn it, and he promotes himself. And he goes above and beyond to find the next scope of work. He's starting to catch to the point where he's thinking for the next guy and the next guy to get something prepped. Like, Hey, we're going to need this in five minutes. And he starts taking those initiatives. Yes. But when you start watching people do that and then they get into the excavator and now they've already done those jobs. So now they could talk to all those people, but then they're right back to kindergarten again when you start seeing a movie. But but now they're learning. But once they accomplish (laughs) that and he's to the point, like now he's being really productive. When you start taking charge and you can run a job, and it makes it easier for the boss. You watch that guy mold into something that you can't replace. And you can't just bring somebody off the street half the time to teach what they don't know. So they come yeah. very valuable by just walking down the right path going, man, I'm not afraid to get out and help that guy that's struggling right now. Cause it's going to take two people to labor. That's mm-hmm. not above my pay grade. Well, another well, go ahead. Sorry. The, the um, mentality of a lot of, of people, my age and then younger it's it's been a struggle for me as i start getting older i'm 30 i'll be 32 in august but 
getting that I get more separated. (laughs) I get more separated, you know, from our, our age group of guys, which is, you know, from 17 to let's say 28, 20, 26, 27. As I start to progress further away from that, it's harder to, um, my group of peers is now my age and they don't want to do, you know, know, that labor job, which everyone thinks is so fucking horrible, but it's not, um, shit. Where was I getting at with this? As you out, as you outgrow the age group of the laborer, are you are you saying it's harder to no, connect still, with them? Hold on, I'm still a laborer. I, I can salvage. You know, you want me this? to take it for a oh, second? Like, the, oh, oh, hold on. There we go. I got okay, it. he's got it. It's the instant gratification. Is that that shovel is actually bad? I don't want to run the shovel. I want to be the guy yeah. that's run the machine. And, yeah, and you know, it. it Every it takes everybody to make everything go round. Yeah. Why, why do you think people come like that though, and they come complacent? Because even today, it's been Brian and Rick against the world. Everything that we do, we'll do with just two of us. Because time we get the help or we do whatever, we get out and we do anything that it takes to get the job done. Why? Why do you start seeing people even at the older age? Why do you start seeing people? That's not my job. I don't want to do it. I graduated yeah. from that. Why do you? Why do you know. start seeing that anymore? My dad, I think, will or when that he'll be sixty next year. I think he'll, so. He'll never not if it has to be done, it has to be done. Yeah, right. That's it. But why do people you know? feel like they graduated when it's like that's still that what makes the company move that, and go round? That I don't know. I because figured people that one are out, yeah. inherently lazy and they're entitled. Yeah, but you know, at the same at the same aspect though, when you start talking about it all, you guys are just talking about the employees that call. And why do people sit there and freak out over the telephone? Like when they call you and like, they're just trying to connect the dots. Why do they sit there and just freak out? What goes through their mind? Like, why can't they problem solve the situation? Like, why do they call and just freak out so much? We didn't, we didn't have a lot of the, we didn't have any of the stuff we have now. Um, the attachments and the equipment and, um, the, people to be on the jobs we didn't have any of that so we had to figure it out mostly by hand and um i think we skipped over that a a lot with a lot of the guys that work for us so they're trying to figure out what can we throw at it equipment wise to get it done where a lot of times you do have to put your hands on it that's where we're at i also think it's just kind of a almost a fear of failure which if you, there's no, I, I don't think there's any such thing as true failure. As long as yeah. you, I mean, if you learn from it, you win or you that's learn. not a failure. That's a learn. That's a learning moment. Yeah. You know? And that's Rick and I have talked about that. In fact, there was a, there's a particular tree job that we had bid and, and Rick flat out told me, look, I don't know if we're going to make money on this one. I said, if we don't make money, we're paying for an education. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look at it that way because we did go in there. We did the work. And if we didn't make money, we learned the lesson on why we didn't make money and we won't make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. So instead of but paying just, for a college you still education, follow through with your, what you said you're going to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But how come, how come it is so important though? I guess looking at it from like the employee's view, why is it so important for them to understand that you guys can't just run out there? So you're trying to solve it over the phone and why they need to uh, kind of understand like, when I do come at Brian or I come at another guy, not 
out of anger, but you why? You should rephrase that whole thing, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking about dicks and docks all night, so. But why? But why do you? Why do you feel that maybe it's important for them to understand the value of? I can't just run out there because we could simply we could we could do this right over the phone. One, two, it's going to cost us money, and they need to understand that there's a sense of value that. They're learning their skills. They're learning how to troubleshoot. Correct. Yeah. But why, why, why do they struggle with that? And why do you think that they need to understand that you can't just run out there and the financials that come with it? Like when they make a bad decision or if you come out there, it takes away from your business and not scolding the employee, but why do you start feeling that maybe they need to learn this education with us? They, I I don't know. They, they might be gun shy of a, a past employer bitching at them for, you know, maybe making a stupid mistake or something happening that was less than desirable for that employer's business. Yeah. You know, I can, I can weed through pretty quick if you were a doing something fucking stupid or it was just going to happen in general and you just happen to be the one in the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I know that. Um, Why do you feel like you got to break the ice with them though? Cause I feel like a lot of employees as they bounce around through the companies, they're so scolded. And it's just part of the trays that I think it's like the dinosaur in the trays. Like we're just really bad at connecting the dots and telling them that this is just part of the scope of work. This is part of the job. Like why do I guess where I'm going, trying to go with this was why does the employee need to feel that they're not doing something wrong? This is an educational standpoint for learning and be the financial side of it. Why, why does somebody need to know that as they grow with a company? I think so, so they can learn and, and teach others that are going up through the same thing. Well, that and I, I think also I, I think kind of the point that you're trying to drive at is why do we have to have those conversations right. and why do we have to drive that reasoning? And I think I think part of it, again, goes back to, you know, their education up until they joined us in the trades was you were spoon fed knowledge and then you regurgitated that knowledge on a test. And now we're putting the, and again, going back to just the overall our our education system does not teach critical thinking it teaches you how to regurgitate knowledge and so now you're putting all of these kids in this situation where there is no regurgitation of knowledge we literally as tradesmen are problem solvers every day i can't think of a single day i'm on a job where i don't have to problem solve a scenario that that pops up whether it's something i've created for myself or a, a random pipe truck shows up that I wasn't expecting. There's no room for it in the yard. And I've got to figure out how to unload, you know, 40 pieces of, of concrete pipe. I've got to problem solve that. And no one's coming to my rescue. No one's going to come give me that answer. I just got to figure it out. And if you've spent your entire life being spoon fed the answers and told to regurgitate them, your brain is, is physically not programmed to think that way. And I think that's where, you know, again, coming back to our generation versus the older generations, the older generations didn't have patience for that. But our generation at least has a decent understanding of where these kids are coming from of, look, we have to teach the skill of critical thinking mm-hmm. because these kids aren't equipped with it. And so we have to walk them through it. And yeah, there there comes a point where you're either going to get it or you're not. And if you're not going to get it, hey, no offense, but the trades aren't for you because that is one thing is the trades are not for everyone. The older generations equip their children with the sense of 
show up on time, do your job, listen to your boss, basically learn to critically think through that whole process. Yep. We're having to unlearn it is, is, is a lot of it. Maybe yeah. not with every single one of these individuals, but most of them are taught to check a bubble as we've been taught. Yes. Nail, nail on the head. I think that to answer your question, the biggest thing for me, why do we want to get them to that point where they yeah. can make those decisions? And the, the, the biggest crux of this is how to not make them scared to fail, which I think we're really good at not trying to toot our horn, but, but touch we on let some them, we let them fuck up a lot of stuff. Um, knowing that this is going to be, I mean, Garrick will get off the phone or come back from a job site and be like, Hold our breath for a little bit here, but you all let's but see you, what's going to happen. But you we also have to space. you have to step back to to a job that was sold. <clears throat> I'd like to touch on this conversation a little bit here. Okay, okay. you're so all about touching on everything. Well, tonight. a job a job that was sold that our guys did and that ran perfectly smooth as far as putting the wall in, but the panels that we put in were heavy Z panels for bridge panels, mm-hmm. and the customer that got them found a good deal on them. We agreed to put them in a learning moment for us. We would never and usually do that. Yeah. yeah. We learned. So I got the old Michigan cat bill for the, um, whole pack. Oh God. 4,800 bucks. And I'm like, there, there, it's all gone. You know, that, that job made us no money. Yeah. Did I learn that now he wants us to do the shorefront? It was too much panel for yeah. the size of the whole pack that was on it. Just to yeah. elaborate. Yeah, why, we, why we didn't have a vibro. It okay. was, it was a plate compactor. Okay. You know, so it just beat the shit out of our machine. Yeah. You know, $4,300 later with repairs and a week and a half set back on the job. Yeah. Drive me freaking nuts. And, you know, the honesty thing, you got to tell the customer because he wanted us to do, we did an upland retaining wall up by his house and he wanted us to do a wall with all those panels because he found a really good deal on them. Yeah. Which I don't doubt it because steel's freaking expensive. But, yep. you know, so when are you guys going to start the wall down there? I'm like... Ain't gonna happen. Not for Not that price. price. Yep. Yeah. No, you gotta buy. I mean, you can buy five gauge panels from us. You yeah. Know, these were yeah. like these were like fucking one gauge panels. They were yeah. like three quarters of an inch thick. Like, yeah, way too heavy duty. Yeah. Yeah. But as you guys are obviously, you're investing in your employees, and you're you're breaking down the walls that a lot of people, as they get into the trade, and they've been scolded forever. You're starting to get successful. Is your I don't want to say you're making a movement into your employees, but you're investing time with them, right? you're teaching them that it's okay to be a human being to make the decisions on your own instead of always just coming to me. We want you to be held accountable. What are you guys doing differently that a lot of people possibly aren't doing? Cause a lot of guys jump ship to ship They're They're looking for a happiness and it's not always so much the money. It's by not, holding them accountable for a fuck up. Right? Okay. I don't, I don't want to say the Rick that. Translator. There we go. What, what is it about you guys that makes you approachable to where when somebody fucks up, they know they're not going to get fired and they can actually talk to you about it. What do you think makes you guys different? I don't fucking I understand. understand. Nobody, right. nobody fucking screams at them. <laughs> like there's don't, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with salt or whatever that term is. I think you nailed but, it. You know, Just stick with that. Cool. Bush light, <laughs> more with bushlight than vinegar. Or yeah, yeah like I, I think that was yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just I mean, just being realistic with everybody and talking to them and not like, did you 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 clocked in at eight oh two today? Up? Yeah, you yeah. know, 
you know, if you clock in at like an eight ten, it's eight o'clock. We're, I mean, we're a varying scale, I guess. Yeah. You know, if you're more closer to eight fifteen, you eight fifteen. Now, you as know, an old school guy, how the fuck do you deal with all that lost production from eight o'clock to eight <laughs> ten? How do you rectify that in your books? <laughs> I talked. I talked to Jerry, my wife, about it. I vent at the end of the day. Um, a lot of them self-govern. That's what we're learning. The working at home thing when COVID started for our office staff, which is just four of us, really showed me a lot of that. Now, does it get taken advantage of too? Yes, but it really does throw out the the ones that actually have an awareness of. I showed up ten minutes late. But I stayed uh, 10 minutes later. You start to see that. Yeah. Uh, And giving them their space and not making them feel so trapped. The same shit that we were just bitching about in school. Sure. Mm -hmm. Does help. Now, if if it is a job where it is a deadline, like when we're going to... Ludington, where'd you guys just go way the hell up north? Uh, no, it was it was west. It was I mean, yeah. ninety four heading west. I've you got to show up on time when we have Harbor seven order. guys that are all mm. waiting to be on a twelve hour job. Then yeah, be there, but yeah. yeah, I think we're we're pretty reasonable. Sometimes that hurts us, but I think for the most part, it um, for the most part, it, yeah, it, it does help us not being the stickler. You know, yeah, you know, five. You know, three times you get a tardy or you get an absent like in school. Yeah, like, right. We've tried that route too. Mm-hmm. It didn't didn't go good either. We're just figuring it out as we go. The old school foreman, we have tried that route for sure, and didn't go very good with the new school mentality. So, well, and I think there's a whole it, other aspect. The yeah, there's a whole other aspect to that, which is also the workforce is changing too. And I think that's really hitting a lot of these bigger companies, these old school companies, a lot harder because they don't they they are slow so slow to to latch on to the fact that the workforce is changing yeah sure 20 years ago you could talk to people that way you could handle things that way and that'd be fine but that doesn't fly these days and and the natural re the the natural knee jerk for those companies is oh nobody wants to work nobody these kids are all worthless instead of doing you know what we've talked about tonight which is self-reflection really self-reflect if you're consistently having problems with everyone in this age group, are they the problem? Right. Or, or maybe should you adjust your mindset? Right. Yeah. So Do you want employees and are you going to adapt to them? Not the, not the way like my, my father's mentality. No way. Yeah. No way would we ever do that. But that is our workforce and they're not bad people. That's the way they've been indoctrinated, the way they've been trained. And we're having to untrain a little bit of it and uh, help them see the um, correct path. We're, we're in kind of a special place right now, an in-betweener yeah. between the hard push for college and now going back to we don't have the workforce that we need. That's why guys like you and you and my brother and I are in demand. It's mind-numbing the amount of phone calls we get. We yeah. could retire tomorrow if we could actually do all the, do the work. work. Yeah. For one year, I'm not even uh, boasting. I'm, what do we get? 40 calls a day? There's no There's no way we can keep up with it yeah. all. That's just awesome. Yeah. But I'm, a, I'm also a big advocate of the hardest part of, I think, everybody's job is thinking about doing it rather than just doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Projects it's, always... It's, not as tough mentally as they really think it is. Well, I was about to say projects always look daunting and impossible when you're just 
30,000 foot view looking down on it. But when you just go, okay, step one is this, let's do it. All of the sudden, this project becomes very manageable. One bite at a time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, Garrett, if you could give any advice for- Did he just call me Garrett? he did. did. I just call Garrett. him Gareth? Just call me Gareth. Gareth. That's what Brian called me. I did and not. I said Gareth. Right, yeah. Well, no. When I first met you, you <laughs> okay, called me fair, Gareth. Okay. I was going to say, I, I made a point to call you Garrett on the podcast because I didn't want to get bitched at. <laughs> Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> if you could give any advice to people that are getting into the trades, man or woman, what would it be? Um... Um, several things, but I guess one would be do what you say you're going to do a hundred percent of the time. Yes. And if you can't do it, tell them you can't do it. Yes. And B, that's great life advice. (laughs) It's hard, easier said than done. Yes. That's it. And then B, never, never think that you're the best. Like the goat, even if you are, because that's when you stop learning and you stop adapting. Yeah. And then you're someone, never going to learn this trade fully. Yeah. yeah. Someone, someone's going to be that doesn't want to stop learning is going to learn more and be better. The ego kills yep. a lot of people's. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't get a big ego and just, I mean, stay humble. Yeah. Stay humble. Yeah. Are we keep in doing the podcast? It. Do I get the Matt Topman question? I was I just about so. to say, yeah. in well, honor. I gift for you guys before, if we're ending What this, about your gift you got we, them? Uh, then we can start it or we, we keep a, going a little what's, bit longer. What's the gift? So in the Doc Man music video. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if you guys actually watched it or if you're just pandering to me. No, right. I watched so it. We, we're we just bu- fucking humor you, Jerry. All right. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. The first 10 seconds of it were great. Right. We've seen the gifts. Yeah. <laughs> so we bust open a five-gallon barrel, I think it is, mm-hmm. of uh, whiskey bourbon. Oh, I, no. I th- was that a five-gallon or two and a half? Anyways, I guess the gallons don't matter. Tens, so we, no, we actually five. do make our own whiskey um, highly illegally. So fucking um, a. Yeah. Well, so yeah. earlier, way I do, all the taxes for the record, it. for mm-hmm. the record, earlier when you said your family had been in various businesses for over 100 years, what mm-hmm. I wanted to say is just at first glance, I totally would have pegged it as moonshine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. And you just yeah. you just played into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we barreled. So during that video, we barreled uh, five, ten. 25 gallons of bourbon, two five-gallon barrels, and I think uh, 15. Oh, wow. So anyways, in that video, we pop one of them open, and that was barreled for two and a half years. Now it's probably three and a half or four years that it's been bottled. And uh, yeah, I brought you guys one. Oh, that's awesome. And there's more behind this. We're aging some of it a little longer, but you've got to get to like three years to technically call it a bourbon. Oh, wow. And and barrel it in a white oak barrel, so... That is awesome. Uh, so, so just so you know, Jerry, just a pint of it. I don't want to give too much away. That's all right. I, that's <laughs> we really appreciate that, thank you. and that You're will welcome. be our You're welcome, absolutely. Guys. Thank yeah. you. And just so you know, we are we are about to break ground on the Sweat and Grime Podcast Studio. No way. Yeah. We are. That is awesome. And we have already had the discussion that we will have your sure. bourbon. As one of our regular <laughs> right. drinks available to guests to drink, so like so we will we will begin purchasing this off of you uh, now 
assuming that this passes the sniff test. I mean, clearly we got to make sure it's good. Well, it's it's totally illegal bourbon now, but as long as it doesn't make me blind, we're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as your as your brother isn't listening, yeah. How far have you seen your brother come, and what obstacles has he just successfully immensely? He will he will surpass me. tenfold um he's learned from my mistakes i uh on my own would be uh having a much harder time to have him cover my blind spots has been very helpful and to have somebody break that ego down like i was just talking it's very hard as you do i'm not saying we have any wild success but in our own little niche world we are doing a very good job and uh, to have somebody tap you in the nutsack every once in a while and go, <laughs> hey, 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 as only brothers do can do yeah. too. Yep, and um, that's a very special thing. Yeah, and uh, and I mean it very sincerely because it it keeps me in check. And then it is the same dynamic on the other side of the spectrum uh, with him and the people and all the personalities he has to manage. I'll say, I don't think that we should do this and whether he takes that advice or not, it's up to him. Yeah. He still gives me the space to say it. Yeah. That's awesome. Beautiful thing. I I will say after this evening, spending time with both of you guys, I I have a, a just turned six year old and just about to turn eight year old. And, and obviously they can go do whatever they want and I will be ultra proud of them. But there is, there is that part of me that really hopes that they get into the trades and they do something together just because I love that dynamic. Exactly what you just, and, and like as crass as it sounds, uh, that's, that's such a fantastic way to put it, to give you the nut check every once in a while as only brothers can do. Sometimes you just got to tap each other and go, dude, fucking cool it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That was, that was another, uh, with our father too. Um, gave us the nut check or the you said you're going to do it so you have to do it yeah Yeah. mentality you know we plowed snow for we were going on 60 some hours it was just it was from freaking hell um that condo community in fenton and then the three or four um old folks homes that we managed it just never seemed to stop and it just kept going and going and then yeah i can well if i can say this but consumers energy that was a zero tolerance always had to be clear and it was like a giving up moment. I was probably 16, 15 or 16. No, I was 16 because so I could drive. But I remember calling my dad and like, or we called our dad. And it's like, well, you said you you were going to do it. And you signed your name on contract. So you got to do it. That was, that was <laughs> yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, you guys are okay. You know, just yeah. come home and rest. It no, was, you can't argue with no, it. You no. gave your word. Yeah. No. We were looking for our dad to be like, I'll figure it out for you guys. I tell you, that's another, and I don't want to get into a whole spiel, but that's another thing that I feel like just over time, integrity has lost all meaning and, and it is so critical to everything you do. I instill that in my kids all the time. Integrity is everything. Uh, If you don't say it, I don't care if you don't follow through, but by God, if you give your word and you tell someone you're going to do something, you better fucking do it. Mm -hmm. That's a slippery slope. As soon as you stop following through with what you say, not that it doesn't hurt other people or kind of ruin your virtue, but internally, when you do that, Absolutely. Enough, I'm going to wake up at eight and then I wake up at nine. 
yeah. when you do that enough, or I'm going to show up and follow through with this arrangement with my friend, and then you don't do it. Yeah. Enough times, pretty soon yeah. you've lied to yourself enough I mean, to the, where you now are in a battle with yourself. Yeah, and you don't even believe yourself. Of, yeah. That is the basis of integrity. You've mm-hmm. got to follow through with what you put in up here yeah. in the brain. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that's the, yeah. the do what you say you're going to do 100% of the time. And that's mm-hmm. not, that. that is life in general. Not yeah. just I'm telling a customer that, yeah, I'll complete this 80 foot seawall. I'll do two foot returns on each side, you know, per your contract. It's if anyone's hard up on money and they want to work a weekend, but you're not working guys on a weekend, but they want to go out and do something. Okay. I'll pay you cash to do it. Yeah. Make sure you pay that person the fucking cash that you told them you're going to yeah. do. Yeah. You know, or like you said, going and hanging out with someone at the bar. If you said you're going to do it one time is okay. But if you're doing it repetitively, yeah, you know, if yep. I reschedule on you guys five times, wouldn't you be at the, at the second or third time? Like, yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fuck this you guy. Know? Yeah. So, like, always in life in general, just do what you say you're going to do. 100% Absolutely. Of the time. Now, before we hit you with the Titan question, uh oh, I get to say it though, right? You, Are you, you going to say you're going to take it? He does. Let's he does. Get it. Yeah. Honorary. Uh, he brought us some booze. <laughs> so if all you guys could take, do you, but, <laughs> no, we'll let you. We'll let you at the Titan question because he ain't here. But we just asked your brother. Obviously, you've been on this journey with your brother for a while. What has your brother transitioned into, and who has be who has he become from that little kid starting out as a business? Well, he was always the bigger kid to me because I was his brother. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but what has he molded into, and who has he become um, these days? He has. It was great when I finally found the. Well, we finally had the conversation where I manage the job sites and pretty much fuck off. Where he stopped micromanaging me on job sites. <laughs> I fucking hated that. He would walk up and like, well, you go and do this, you go and do that. You know, he he would micromanage. And then there was a time, you know, after a few months of that where we had a conversation. No bitching and screaming at each other, but just an ask to stop. And I know it was hard for you. Um but he you can say nothing. No, and no, no. <laughs> I, I, it's it's just like I guess it could be very long winded. Could be you do what sum it up. You got a platform. Do you yeah, do. you say what you want to say. But I have, I've the trust that we have built with each other is unbreakable. Yeah, you know, anybody at any time could leave me, and it would be. No sweat off their sack. Yeah. You know? But we we've we have so much trust with each other where we know we're not gonna do that. And it uh it just makes us strong. It makes us a good it's a good bond, a good vibe. I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else. I probably would never do it again. Yeah. Um, the business partnership wise, but also at the end of the day, it's like I can always accomplish something with someone that I love and that someone that I know that feels the same way that I do about it, you know, as far as accomplishing a task or even solving a problem with, you know, that lost us a bunch of money, but we, you know, stopped the bleeding essentially. It's, it's just a fun thing to always go through almost every single day. There's some days where it's kind of a bitch for a couple of days that we aren't um, seeing eye to eye and everything. But once we see eye to eye and that problem is solved, then it's, it all makes it just great. You know, I love it fun. that normally by this time we're totally winding down 
and yet we're coming out with these banger sound clips at the very end of the podcast. <laughs> this is great. This is awesome. Awesome relationship. All right, Jerry. Hit the, the motherfucking honor, Matt honorary the motherfucking Matt Totten. Motherfucking Totten. Let me get this mic dialed in. <laughs> if you could do it over. I hope Matt approves this. And you uh, could do a, and you could do anything else. You could else. do this over and you could, you could do anything else in this world that you want to do. What would you pick? I I would Okay. I like managing a business. If I was if we started a ketchup factory when I was 12 and you were 16, I would was, put my was heart Was that on the table? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> but I would put my heart and soul into that. It is it is managing a business and walking down the path of 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 entrepreneurship that I love. Yeah. You know, and I could I could probably find passion in something else, but this is what our path this is where we walked with our path. So I'm not gonna find any passion. So no, I wouldn't do anything else. What about dick installation? I was just gonna say there are professional horse ejaculators. Uh, <laughs> they you make you pretty can find good some money. Passion? <laughs> they do. That's Absolutely. I could find some passion in that if I, if I started it. <laughs> you could be a dick ejaculator. As long as I'm managing the ejaculator, I'm in good shape. I wonder if the, the horse community, the horse ejaculators, are like they all corrected the. Dog. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen somebody on TV hang on to one of those motherfuckers? That thing's ejaculating. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. What the fuck are you watching? Uh, exactly. <laughs> have you not watched Jackass or anything like that? YouTube it, dude. The people that got a fucking... Have you... All right. Have you been to, <laughs> have you been to Tijuana? All right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Dude, you got you to gotta YouTube this shit, how fucking horses, they collect the fucking sperm. I'll set the mood for you. They got a bitch that's in heat. She's tied up there. They bring this stallion in that's just a fucking prancing. I've, I've watched this live before. Yeah. I don't need to look it up on YouTube. <laughs> fucking yeah. Was you that imagine? in Tijuana? <laughs> no. Could you imagine being the fucking dude that's got to grab that fucking thing, grab that big ass dick and jerk it off? There is a reason I went into this area of the trades and not others. <laughs> That's a real blue collar man right there. Yeah. <laughs> that is a man that he has wear no white shame. Collar, so I was about to say at the end of the day, that's a white collar. <laughs> He's got no shame in his game. Absolutely. Uh, well, all right, guys. Yes, well, hold hold on for listening. Jerry's final quote, oh. or Jerry's quote is, I learned the value of hard work by working hard. There you go. Yep. That's a nice that's and tidy on. bow on this. That's beautiful. I like it. So nope. on that note, everybody... Thank, Thank you. you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. And like we mentioned at the very beginning, we're still seeking sponsorship. And we are, we've are we got the Patreon. But go, even if you're not even donating, go over, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Man, what else? We've got our website, dieselandironproductions.com. Go to the, the blog page or the, yeah, the blog page. That's where we do these. We're all yeah. over the place, guys. Just go check us out. We're all over. But if you got a story... Contact us. Get on. We'd love to hear it. Yes. And look up the Doc Man. And anywhere. look up the Doc yeah, Man. Up Absolutely. Up the doc. And, and Just and how Doc Man. You'll find us. Google it. Yes. How do they get a hold of you guys for a Doc if they are looking for one? Type in the Doc Man. It'll bring you back to us. Or watersedgedockandhoist.com. And, and just to reiterate, because we didn't talk about it in this podcast, the Doc Man series is awesome. It is super well done. Brandon here in studio with us. He's a wizard. Produces all He's of it. Edits wizard. all of it. It's incredible. I sit. I have wasted so many hours watching those. It is so good. So absolutely get on YouTube. Check out the Dogman. 
Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week on Sweat and Grime. Thanks for having us.